0: Welcome to the Transom podcast, a monthly roundup of the new features on the transom.org website, providing mathematical puzzles, games, learning activities, and the ever-popular mathematics lesson starter of the day. Here's your host, John Tranter. Yes, once again, I am here with another podcast. In fact, this is the 88th, and it's for the month of March 2022. What better place to start than with a new puzzle of the month. So here we go. A right-handed dice is placed on the near left square of a chessboard with the number 1 facing uppermost and the number 2 facing to the left. The edges of the dice are the same length as the sides of the chessboard squares. The dice is alternately rolled one square forward and then one square to the right until it reaches the far right square. What number face is on the top of the dice now? Okay, well normally I reveal the answer to the puzzle of the month at the end of the podcast. But I think I'm going to make a change and not reveal the answer until next month's podcast to give you a chance to have a real good think about it and to let me know if you have an answer with a good method that I could share with everybody else. So, please let me know if you've got a very cool method for solving that puzzle. Okay, just as you have recovered from February's Tuesday, remember that? The 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. Here are some interesting dates in March to look forward to. Well, on the 1st of March is Pancake Day in the UK. And to celebrate that, you could learn about pancake numbers or do a little practical interactive investigation, the pancake day investigation, in fact, um, by tossing some pancakes, putting them in piles and finding pancake numbers. The link to that and everything else that I talk about in this podcast are at transom.org newsletter. Okay, continuing through March, of course the 14th of March, the most popular mathematical day of the year, is Pi Day. Because it's the 14th of the 3rd, and those digits, the 3 and the one four, appear in Pi. Well, all the digits appear in Pi eventually, but um, they are Pi correct to three significant figures, I suppose. So, there's a special starter of the day for the 14th of March, Inviting you to memorise some pi digits and to learn about some pi facts. So have a look at that. Now in the UK on the 27th of March it's Mothering Sunday. So the best I can do here is to give you a glimpse of my mum's shopping list. That she made many, many, many years ago. Quite interesting with the units used and the prices involved. Something a bit unusual. Have a look at that mum's shopping list. During this last month, I completely rewrote The Snooker Investigation to make it more interactive and varied. It's an old classic, but if you've never seen it before, give it a try yourself to see the potential it has as a class activity. The Snooker Investigation. Remember, the links are in the newsletter. I went a little crazy creating jigsaw puzzles this last, last month as well. And, um, but I think they make a great activity for learning something new without sort of explicit instruction. So, you can now choose from the Numbers Grid jigsaw, the Prime Numbers jigsaw, the Roman Numerals jigsaw, the Chinese Numbers jigsaw, the Thai Numbers jigsaw, or even the Magic Square jigsaw. I hope you enjoy doing those and learning something in the process. Now I have enjoyed using the probability advanced starters with my year 12 and 13 students recently. The common theme of the uh, the starters I've used is that the correct solution goes against most people's intuition. Now one way of testing the um, The approved solution is to set up a simulation which produces a very large number of trials so that expected outcomes can be compared to theoretical results. To convince one very inquisitive French student, I created a computer simulation for the Perennial Rivals Starter. It's the sort of thing you can run slowly to help the students understand the situation And then leave it running at full speed for many hours to generate lots of data needed to convince the students that the theoretical results are indeed correct, though they be against your intuition. You can find Transum Mathematics at www.transum.org. I am grateful for the good folk on Twitter who occasionally not only come up with some nice ideas for activities, but then go on to give me permission to use those ideas on the Transom site. The latest idea received is called Is It A Number? I think it would generate some interesting discussion amongst older students, so look it up in the list of advanced starters, or just go to the link in the newsletter. Subscribers can now see a map of Tran Tunnels if they wish to pass on some hints for completing the mission to their pupils. So remember, the main adventure game on the Transom website is called Tran Towers. But Tran Tunnels is an easier mission, doesn't take you so long to complete. Aimed at Key Stage 3, that sort of 11 to 14 year olds, I guess. A short help video on converting fractions, decimals and percentage has been dropped. That's the word that YouTubers use when they've uploaded a video. Strange, because it sounds as though it's the complete opposite, but anyway, it's been uploaded or dropped. You can now import class lists from spreadsheets into Class Admin if you are a subscriber. And you can also use the Maths Menu system to email homework to your students. New buttons have appeared to top and tail the homework emails um, to save you a little bit of time writing the niceties at the beginning and the end. I'm not sure whether they'll become popular, but they're there nevertheless. I'm not sure if I'm missing something obvious here, but can we use the word gibbous, if that's how you pronounce it, in maths or in geometry? If you haven't heard the word before, it's used to describe the visible shape of the moon when it's more than a semicircle, but less than a circle. Now, I've seen the word crescent used in uh, geometry puzzles and problems, but never gibbous. So, if you know anything about that, let me know, (laughs) but uh, just thought I'd throw that in here. Subscriber Anne never fails to come up with some really interesting observations. Recently, she has been time-travelling. I quote When I first used the compound interest formula, it was introduced as the future value formula. Have you ever travelled back in time and used a negative value for t in the formula? Surprisingly, there's no mention of using the formula when t is negative. Why do you think that is? I think it's a wonderful thing to notice that the compound interest formula can be used without any rearranging to find future values or past values. I'd be interested to get your opinion. Maybe it's just easier for students to think of multiplying by 1 plus r to the power t to find the future value and divide by 1 plus r to the power t when finding the past value. Interesting. Have you ever used that before? Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Anne. Remember, the puzzle of the month will be answered next month rather than this month. But if you have a method and a solution, please let me know. There may be a prize in it. So, to finish off, a question. Who was the first person to put two feet on the top of Everest? Well, it was Radhanath Sikdar if I've pronounced that correctly, who had a special aptitude for trigonometry. He used a theodolite located 150 miles away to measure the height as being exactly 29,000 feet. This was back in the 1850s. So he worked out the height of Everest to be exactly 29,000 feet, but he thought people would not be impressed with the accuracy of his measurement, As it was a multiple of a 1,000. So he added 2 feet to make the measurement 29,002 feet. Thus he became the first person to put 2 feet on the top of Everest. Fascinating. (laughs) Stay safe from illness and conflict. And maintain your enthusiasm for maths. See you next month.